Welcome, readers, to Tam Reads, I Am the Accidental Monster. This is Chapter 10 of Magitism, the Force of Magic, by Will Brawl. The chapter is called Lou. I must admit that I thought Z's had gone nuts when they told us about the aliens being magical. However, now that they knew what to look for, the science teams indeed found spooky effects coming from the quasi-bodies. The paper started flying out of the science teams. It is a bit over my head, but I'd been following new research coming out of the LHC, Large Hadron Collider, that suggested there might be a new fundamental force. Turned out, this force was real. For the first few weeks, there hadn't been much for Nicholas and me to do. Engineers weren't terribly helpful with aliens, with no tech to explore. I was starting to feel bad for Nicholas. I may be a gray old man, but he didn't deserve to be sitting idle through his youth. It is honestly silly to think about feeling that way now. Dr. Eugene Bronson's team was the one that first found strange effects around the quasi-bodies. We'd known the quasis had quasi-crystals in their arm nodes since the beginning, but hadn't discovered their usage. Eugene's team managed to find an arm that could produce a weak pushing effect from across a room. In their paper, Eugene dubbed the new force magitism, and it stuck. We finally come to the name of the book. Oh, I love I love when you find the name of the book or movie or whatever. I just I love when it's named inside the the work. And then it gives me this happy feeling of like, oh, we found it. <laughs> Um, I don't remember Lou. I, I remember there being a Lou, right? There was a Lou earlier, but I don't remember who he was. I guess we're going to learn more about Lou anyway, but, you know, I, 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 I swear, I swear he existed before. Was he, was he the old man that didn't understand why the non-binary? Was he the one that was like, being gruff and like I don't know whether to call you sir or ma'am was that was that Lou I think that was Lou I don't want to go back and lose my place but I think that was who Lou was let me know if I was wrong the way it worked is that inside the quasi's node were quasi crystals embedded in muscle tissue and the crystals are flexible they hold heavy atoms in the correct positions to act as a lens, directing a focal point of magiton energy several meters away. Magitons weakly interact with ordinary matter, but their focused beam is concentrated enough to produce a pushing effect at the other end. We never would have spotted the existence of magitons, even at the LHC, because Earth is devoid of them. There are rare events where magitons come in as cosmic rays, but they are much rarer than neutrinos and interact about as weakly. However, the bodies of the Captinians and their animals are magitic batteries pouring off magiton radiation like light bulbs. The particle physicists had a field day, get it? And within a few months, we had detailed breakdowns of the new field, the magiton particle that carries it, and a host of papers claiming all sorts of amazing things about the field. People had new solutions to dozens of old problems ranging from claims that magitic matter accounts for dark matter to claims that a particularly saturated band of it answers for dark energy. Everything dark or mysterious got the magiton treatment. As for the specifics of magitism, such as the mass of the magiton, I would direct you to the many textbooks and papers on the topic. 
Suffice it to say that magnetism would sit between the weak nuclear force and magnetism in strength. Still, it weakly interacts with baryonic matter and strongly interacts with some exotic non-baryonic matter. This other matter so weakly interacts with ordinary matter that it could be all around us, a whole second planet of magnetic matter, and we never know. In particle physics, particles like this are called WIMPs, weakly interacting massive particles. Both types of matter are affected by gravity, though it would seem that magnetic matter is repelled by it. So when I said there could be a whole magnetic planet around us, I was lying. Magnetic matter ought to be a diffuse fog throughout the entire universe. The reason the quasi-crystals are able to interact with the magnetic field at all comes down to geometry. While magnetons interact with normal matter weakly, if enough interactions do happen, the effects on baryonic matter can be huge and even explosive. If that's difficult to imagine, I read a thought experiment once that helped me understand. Typically, you are bombarded with millions of neutrinos daily. They fly around the universe in all directions and barely interact with things. However, when a star goes supernova, it releases 99% of its energy as neutrinos. And if you were standing even as close as a light year from the explosion, what would kill you would be all of those neutrinos blasting through your body with one out of every sextillion of them hitting you. Magnetons aren't quite as non-interacting as neutrinos are, but fewer are just floating around, and each one is millions of times heavier. You can't feel a single neutrino hitting you, probably, but you'd know if a magneton struck you. Depending on the frequency, it could feel like a random itch or a fastball. It is also worth pointing out that magneton is now a generic word for a class of particles, like how baryon is a classification of particles. So, strictly speaking, we're talking about magnetonic matter above, specifically the magnetonic version of a proton. This is important if you really want to fully understand magnetonics. Still, for now, it is only worth calling out because unlike neutrinos, which are single particles, magnetons can form bonds to produce complex magnetons, magneton atoms. Those in turn can form magicules, magneton molecules, which can create complex arrangements. There is a whole table of magnetic elements just like there is for baryonic elements. Whoa. <laughs> okay, I think I understood about half of that. Um, it, it's probably not super important that, I, that I, I'm able to like understand all of it just yet. I, I assume a lot of this will be explained through the rest of the book and what isn't is mostly just down to, you know, people that want the science, quote unquote, of what's going on here. I, I know that there's a, a heavy element in sci-fi fiction, fantasy stuff. There's a kind of a need to explain scientifically how the world works and that it's without it it's basically just fantasy so I can appreciate all of this stuff even if I can't necessarily understand what it's telling me right now I understand enough of it though that I can I can definitely see this being a possibility in the really real world so I appreciate it 
somebody smarter than me may be able to appreciate it more. That's all I'm saying. As soon as Nicholas and I read about magitons, we started to brainstorm how to make use of them. Burning Flames mentioned that the Captinians can communicate over long distances using their slap talk. Armed with that knowledge, we started to tinker. We requested some of the quasi-crystal structures that all of the Captinians have, and through a process of elimination, we identified the structure that can hear magnetic pulses. Nicholas found a clever way of mounting the quasi-crystal to a PBC, printed circuit board, and from there we were able to turn the magnetic pulses into electrical ones, basically a microphone for picking up magnetic signals. We drew up plans, and a few weeks later we had dozens of these GTO receivers constructed. Not only that, but we did the same thing with the emitters and had dozens of GTO emitters. We integrated these into shortwave radios to make magical walkie-talkies. The real win was integrating the original receiver device into a necklace. Or was it an armband? In any case, a device burning flames could magically tap into would not only pick up their Morse code, but convert it into letters and then text-to-speech that into actual words. For the first time, the alien could speak to us directly. I took our device to Angie. All our tech needed to be approved. I told her we've created a device that should allow the alien to speak to us in plain English. Angie leaned back in her chair. Interesting. What does the voice sound like? Let me show you. I fumbled around with my laptop for a bit, and eventually it emitted a droning computer voice not unlike one of those personal assistant apps. How hard would it be for us to find and create a custom voice for them? Well, I can pull Gamomo onto this. Actually, hold on. I leaned out of Angie's office and yelled down the hall, Hey, Gamomo, can you come in here? Gamomo emerged from his office, still wearing his headphones, and strolled casually down the hall to us. What's shaking, Lou? The cord snaked down the inside of his slick black suit. Vic also came over to see what the fuss was about. We've put together a device that can let the alien talk in English. Rad, Gamomo said, but Angie wants to know if we can give them a better voice. I see, he turned to Angie. You're thinking something unique and pleasant, a voice that sounds likable and not like the creep show they look like, right? Angie smiles. Exactly. Yep. So the goal is to develop a friendly voice that can mask the otherwise terrifying nature of the aliens. That's pretty smart, and I know from personal experience how powerful masking can be. He winked at me, though I couldn't fathom why. He continued, There are several avenues we can walk down for this, but if I had to guess, I think treating this like creating a synthetic pop star will have the best results. Okay. So now we're, we're, we're getting to it. Now we're going to give Burning Flames a voice, a real voice, and a unique one at that, which is pretty neat. I, I, I would probably want the same thing because, yeah, yeah, they're, they're kind of they're kind of creepy with, you know, tentacle eyeball arms that, that, that doesn't seem super friendly from an ape sort of view, you know, it, it's kind of on par with the idea of lizard men out there, you know, or frogmen even, as uh, as was previously stated. So giving Burning Flames a pleasant voice, I can see that having a lot of, of usefulness. 
and I, I, I like how it's not, how do I put this? So this could have easily just been a, you know, we developed this tech and move on. But we went through all of this bureaucracy and science to get to the device, making it feel more real. And I don't know if it was necessary to make it feel more real because, you know, there's plenty of other elements that make this feel realistic. But I appreciate the the depth of R&D, you know, <laughs> that went into making this necklace or armband. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, they they integrated it into something and they didn't really seem to know what <laughs> and I assume that's because of the physical structure of burning flames to begin with so yeah the 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 creation of this device is pretty amazing and the fact that we're putting all this attention to the voice itself also is is really on point I I think that that would uh that makes it feel like, yes, this, this is something that we would do. Absolutely. I asked with confusion. Synthetic pop star? Yeah, starting in the late noughties, Japanese companies experimented with making animated pop stars that are entirely synthetic. Their voices consisted of samples of actors piped through a system that let you input lyrics or speaking text and then almost play them like an instrument to control their voice. Some of them caught on pretty big for a while, even outside Japan. He pulled down his headphones and tapped around on his phone. He pulled the dongle out of the phone, and suddenly the air was filled with a pleasant Japanese woman's voice singing over a pop tune. I would have sworn it was a natural person singing. That's a robot voice? Vic asked with a look of confusion in his bright blue eyes. That's remarkable, Angie says. Does this mean we'd need to have someone there to, well, play the alien like a trumpet? Not exactly. We could do that, but we can also be more flexible. If the device that Lou built outputs text, we can do whatever we want with it. When talking to the alien live, we can simply process their response live, like how digital assistants work. But if we have lead time, say for a speech... We can pre-record the voice done up to whatever inflections and personal touches we want. We can also do something in between, like you said, playing the alien's voice on a delay like a trumpet. He paused to think for a long moment. And we'd want to keep all the details about how the voice was created a secret. That crash truther movement is starting to get scary. We should source the voice internally as it doesn't need to be a trained voice actor. We should do all that because if we just let it out there in the wild, other people could put down their own words in the alien's mouth. We'll already deal with deep fakes, but if people knew the voice actor, they could pay them, or worse, get them to speak for the alien. Good thinking, I said. Vic smiled. Those truthers seem harmless to me, but you never can be too careful. We'll use my voice, Angie stated flatly. If being the voice actor presents any risk, I will accept that risk. Wow, I never thought of that. I never even considered that the voice actor could potentially be paid off. Although you can just get 
if you get enough voice clips of someone, you can just reconstruct their voice. So you wouldn't really need to pay anybody off. Still, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, I would never have thought about paying off the actor to, uh, to, to make other things. Like, I, I don't know. I thought they were using multiple different actors to create a, a, an original voice, you know? That I just I don't know maybe maybe it's weird of me but I that's what I thought they were going with and then that's not what seemed like happened. Also, after that chapter was a picture of burning flames with Chum and uh, the little voice box thing, and I I can see why they're not sure if it's a bracelet or a necklace because <laughs> it sort of ends up being like a like a chest pack almost around one two of their like top arm tentacly things um so yeah i i see what they mean the 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 picture is awesome i i don't i don't know how to uh to describe it exactly but i recommend checking that out okay so that was chapter 10 we are we're we're definitely getting getting into the nitty gritty now. We're 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 moving. I don't know what's gonna happen next, especially with the the mention of the uh, the what are they called the truthers, that crash truther movement. What's that all about? This is the first time they've really mentioned that, so it's kind of exciting. I hope to see you in the next one. <laughs>